Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Williams. In this episode, I interview John Rodney. Over the past 15 years, John has had the pleasure of teaching in high school and middle school classrooms in Southern California. He currently teaches seventh grade English and instructs student leaders as a middle school students activities advisor. In this episode, we talk about how John keeps a positive mindset through difficult times and how he persevered during the lowest points of his career while he navigated difficult situations with parents. Hi, Mr. Rodney. Do you prefer to go by Mr. Rodney or John? Oh, you can call me John. (laughs) Okay, good. Good. I have followed you on Instagram. I've chatted with you a little bit because we're in the same neighborhood. We are. One thing, yeah, very, very close. One thing that drove me to interview you is your passion for teaching and your positive mindset. I think it would be helpful for everyone if they just heard a little bit about your journey in education. Uh, yeah, of course. I'm so happy to be here. Um, my journey in education uh, started really, really young. Uh, with uh, I think I fell in love with my content area first, which is reading and writing. And I was I was that kid that just loved to read. On the weekends, you would ask me what I would do. I would read. I would uh, write my own stories. And so uh, I would just love to read and write. And so there was a love there. And so when I started going to school and when I was in school, really bonding with a lot of the teachers and the, who taught me a continuation of this love of reading and writing, I really bonded with them and really looked up to them. And they just did so much for me uh, as a young person in those you know growing years that I wanted to become one. And when I looked at my own family, there were so many people who were actual teachers themselves. uh, And I just loved what they were able to do in the classroom. And on top of that, just family members that were not traditional teachers, but they were teachers to me. And I just really loved that role. And so very early on, I knew that teaching was my calling and that I really wanted to be a part of it. And so I, I double majored in college for English and secondary education at a small liberal arts college in Maine. And then from there, 
um, I was a an aide uh, to two fourth grade teachers, which was such an amazing experience working with kids who needed additional support in um, reading and uh, writing and math. Uh, and I it really laid the foundation of me understanding how a classroom runs. Elementary school teachers are just so gifted at managing their classes and how their classrooms run and caring so much for those kids. I learned so much there that when I actually got my first job uh, in Southern California teaching ninth grade English, I felt super prepared. And I have been in Southern California now for 15-ish years, uh, and I've been teaching at a variety of grade levels. My first couple uh, years in education, my first four years, I taught at the ninth grade level, um, and uh, the last two, those were the first two years. The last two years, I taught at uh, the 11th and 12th grade level, working with Glendale Community College to help create a college preparatory English class at the high school level. And then for the past seven or eight years, I lose track after so much time in education. I've been at the middle school level, really just having an awesome time with seventh grade students in the area of English and really kind of trying to teach kids how to be leaders, uh, a part of my student leadership class. You said that some of your family members are also teachers. I feel like I know this from Instagram. Is it your brother? Actually, uh, yes. So uh, my my I'm the oldest. So my younger brother just got his degree in education. And so he had just started his first teaching job this year, which is really, really interesting. And he's at a charter school. Uh, so it's really interesting to be able to talk to him about how they're doing things because their class model is different and their school model is very different from my public school model, which is more traditional. And so it's really interesting to hear his experiences as a first-year teacher during uh, a pandemic um, at a charter school, which has a non-traditional model. Growing up, I had aunts and uncles who were teachers uh, and who um, who just like shared what they were doing in the classroom with myself and my fellow cousins, and it just seemed to be complete magic what they were able to do with their students. And it, it was just really inspiring. Yeah, my mom was a special education teacher. Oh, yeah. So that was one of the main, you know, influencers. Uh, as a child, I saw her getting ready doing lesson plans. And I remember really liking going to <laughs> teaching stores as a kid. I mean, all kids like stickers, all kids like, you know, what their classroom looks like. But I felt like being able to go and like pick it out impacted me mentally like I want to do that when I grow up so seriously I mean I, I feel like the teaching stores are still some of the favorite places of many teachers today even though they're grown yeah I know that you are a ray of sunshine but teaching hasn't probably always been an easy journey for you either can you tell me a little bit about any negative experiences you may have had in this profession yeah definitely you know i do try to focus on the positive um, and i do try to promote you know positivity um, especially because teachers need that uh, because it is a very stressful profession there there are so many demands on teachers um, and there are always negative experiences um, you know here and there throughout a teacher's day year um, and i've definitely experienced some over the years I, i've mentioned before i've been at a variety of grade levels i have um, had a variety of experiences over 15 years 
Um, and I've had some, you know, not so awesome experiences that, you know, I, I obviously they've impacted me. I remember them today. I can recall them today. Uh, some of them, I'm an LGBTQ plus educator. And so some of them, I, you know, really kind of deal with my identity uh, in the classroom. Uh, and so, uh, and it spans from the way that uh, my fellow colleagues have interacted with me uh, all the way to parents and sometimes even to admin. Uh, sometimes these negative experiences are um, not on purpose, uh, but they still exist. Um, and so, yeah, I can definitely talk about that a little bit. Um, when I first began my career, I was hired as an L- out LGBTQ plus educator. The staff knew, but it was really my decision whether or not to make that known to my students and to uh, the you know to the student body and to be out. The very early on, a, a teacher who I absolutely respect and admire pulled me aside when I vocalized that I was thinking of becoming an out educator to the students and serving as a role model because I really wanted to have a positive impact on uh, my LGBTQ plus students who might be, you know, internally struggling as well as serving as a role model for other people to see an LGBTQ plus person in real life to be able to refer to when they were coming to their own, you know, ideas uh, of what it meant to be LGBTQ plus and what those people looked like and what they represented. And this educator pulled me aside and basically said, you can do whatever you want to do. However, if you do come out, you are going to have to face some type of backlash from kids, from their parents, um, who at any mention of this at all throughout the year, um, and it will seem like a dog whistle where even the slightest mention or a- allusion to it is going to cause you to have to deal with emails, phone calls, kids um, reacting in certain ways, and it's going to place stress on you. While I agree with that sentiment to some degree, it also is so much pressure on you to hold in who you are as a human. Yes. And so ultimately this teacher, this teacher was really looking as if knowing the stresses of a first year teacher, knowing uh, I was new to Southern California, they, but they were also just trying to be like, they were really looking out for me. They were, they were saying to me, you know, can you handle all of this right now? But it's not like they're asking you, hey, that curriculum you're starting to use probably is going to be a little bit too tricky. They're saying, are you ready to be a teacher and a human being at the exact same time? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, it was tough. And so that, and so like that moment having to make that decision of to be in or out and to be open or not and to kind of withhold a part of yourself when you are, when teachers put so much of themselves on the line for their students and for their education and the curriculum and their classes, uh, it really felt like the first, you know, quite a few years, because I did decide to stay in, there was, it was very kind of stressful and taxing, uh, especially when these moments would kind of come up for discussion and I would, and kids would make comments about their perceptions or thoughts about the LGBTQ plus community. And all I could do is, you know, serve as, um, a, you know, trying to create a respectful space for students and be like, you know, and kind of uh, try to correct that, that language and uh, acknowledge that we are trying to create a safe space 
for everyone, but to know that not only did that probably poorly land on a kid sitting in the class, but also, you know, it landed on me too, to hear that this kid that I am investing in so much, a part of my identity that they do not know who I am, that is something that, um, that I can't rectify and talk on a personal level with them because of the backlash that it, I might have to endure in order to be open in myself. So that was really tough. I know feeling accepted in your workplace is vital to you being happy there. You know, feeling rejected impacts our ability to perform our jobs. It increases the chance that we actually end up quitting if we don't feel like we're accepted in the position that we're in. Did you ever feel like quitting teaching? Yeah. You know what? Um, This actually happened a few years ago. So it wasn't that long ago when I had a, an experience with a parent who came for me, basically, uh, and it shook me. Uh, I had this student in my class, and uh, he was a bright young man, and he worked really, really hard. He was a little bit shy. I think that he would openly um, just share things about what was going on in class, you know. So at that time, we were reading um, a story called. Uh, um, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. And in it, it deals with uh, topics such as racism and classism and other things related to that. And so I asked my students to make connections from the story to th- groups of people who are fighting for rights uh, in the world today, because, you know, having students connect to things happening today is really important. And one of the things that came up from students was that um, during that time, LGBTQ plus people were fighting for uh, marriage equality. And that was just a topic. And so a discussion ensued with that. And then it quickly moved on. Shortly after that, a parent wrote me an email basically saying, you know, how dare you bring up this topic in class? How How dare you allow this topic to exist? Um, please stick to reading and writing. Do not bring this topic up again. But they didn't sign their name. So I didn't know which parent this was. So I just responded by saying, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are or who your child is. You know, let me explain to you where topics have come up that would have been related to this. And in that time, the, you know, I just told them, where this you know these topics have come up and he and he responded by saying oh my gosh this is my worst nightmare come to life i do not want my child in your class i do not want my child in your presence i am going to speak with other parents and notify them that this has taken place and we are going to vocalize our dislike of what you have done you have cleverly hidden this these conversation points in your class through the things that you have brought forward uh, for students to read and write about, uh, and it must be stopped. And that was when you started to think, maybe I just shouldn't be a teacher anymore? Yeah, th- it, that experience just really shook me. Um, and all of a sudden, I became a person who did not feel safe in my environment. Uh, I felt kind of um, betrayed a bit 
because, you know, I put so much of myself out there to be there for my students, to support my students, to present my students with ideas for them to consider. And I really promote an environment within my classroom where people are valued. And so for this parent to think that I do not value uh, the beliefs of his child and that not only am I not supporting his child appropriately, but that I am I am doing a disservice to his child and abusing my role as a teacher that really negatively impacted me. And I thought, yes, this might, this might be a moment where I, this profession is not for me. Um, this is not something that I want to endure. And it's also something that I'm obviously not good at if a parent is feeling so strongly about my, you know, what I'm doing within this classroom. How did you get back from that moment? Was it support from your administration, um, mental changes that you had to make? I mean, how do you get back from that low point? So for me, I think that the biggest change that uh, I made was really making, really seeking out people who could offer me support when I felt that I couldn't support myself. So I am fortunate enough to work with some really amazing people uh, who saw that I was in need. They saw that I needed support and they offered me words. They offered me uh, advice. They offered me their ears to talk these things out. Um, And they offered me plans of action. Uh, You know, the very first people I said, because this parent said that they were going to try to come for my job, um, were the people who were a part of the union. And they said, you, you're, we've got you. You're okay. You haven't done anything wrong. And so first thing, they let me know that my job was safe, that I was protected. And that made me feel very comforted. And then on top of that, there were the people who I was closer with who then supported me by letting me know that I am a good teacher. And they, and they, they said, you know, John, if you want us to take a look at the activities that you've done, we can evaluate them. We can see them, uh, but we know what you do in your classroom and it is good. You help guide other teachers uh, and help them develop their materials. So if you are the helper, if you are the developer, if you are the person who's seeking out other, you know, other teachers to help them, you know, we don't question your ability to do your job. And as I experienced my ups and my downs, they were, they were really there for me. My admin, I have a terrific administrative team. They also supported me. My principal at that time, you know, I went to him and asked, have I done things wrong? And he just said, no, you have not done anything wrong. And if you want to, you know, this parent is asking for a meeting. If you want to be in that meeting, you can. However, if you choose not to be in that meeting and you want me to deal with it because you don't want to have um, a person go up against your identity, which is who you are, it's not a battle you can win. I will do that for you. And so having a strong admin team and then also having um, the people around me really support me, those were the things that got me through that, that period of tough time. 
um, while I kind of process that experience. Oh, there are so many admin that probably are more likely to just avoid talking about it. Do you have any advice for teachers who are put in that really hard situation where their admin might not have as much of their backs as your admin did? Yes. One of the things that I could say just as like a, a school district is before you, you know, is to just kind of know your rights within your school district. Are you a part of a a school that has a union, uh, you know, a district that has a union? Do you know um, how your union represents these sets of issues when they come up? Because then you can really understand how if it comes to a union's a union um, level where you need to get them involved, how they're going to support you or how they're not going to support you. So you can understand on a union level what support would be available to you. Yeah, just, I mean, how do you even approach your admin what kind of conversations can you have to let them know what they can do to support you? Because I know a lot of admin are stressed out and they may want to support, but it's easier for them to just push it, you know, Mm. away and not deal with it. So I feel like teachers need to kind of come forward and say, this is what's going on with me. And I want to make sure that you know that this may be a situation and if it is a situation, this is how you can support me. One of the things that I have told people in the past when they are thinking about, you know, and, and this is true for anyone, this doesn't have to be an LGBTQ plus educator. This could be an educator who is bringing in new curriculum or content or a book into the classroom that they know could have people, parents, reacting to it. And so what I always uh, advise people to do is to give the admin a heads up so that, that way they're not caught off guard and they can um, you know, really kind of talk with the admin to see what their feelings are on them. You know, This is what I'm looking for and I just want to know, will you support me? Being completely upfront with your admin to be like, I want to bring in this book. Some people may react to it. And I just want to know what are your feelings on it? There's so many steps before the question, that question or that I would be like, get other teachers involved. So you're not the only one, you know, because then you don't want to ask the admin for permission necessarily, because that's not their role to be the gatekeeper of what you can and cannot do within your classroom. There are probably a lot of times that the actual answer to this might be you need to start looking for a different school or a different district that reflects your values and your culture as well. That is true. Because I didn't want to, I don't want to say that it has to obey the culture of a school because the culture of a school changes. The culture of a school is built based upon the the teachers that are there who are willing to take these risks to bring in content and to bring in books and ideas for students to consider. And so to say that you need to get permission from an admin to bring in a certain book, that that's not the case. You know, the culture um, is going to be whatever you make in your classroom. And then if another, if enough teachers create, you know, a positive culture at your school, that's very open and inclusive, well then, um, that culture can always change. The administrators are there to support the teachers. And so just making sure that you have a firm understanding of the type of support that they will offer you um, and that you can count on them for, that's really important if you are going to um, be taking these risks within the classroom to bring in new books or to you know bring in new ideas for students to consider. Just understanding how this admin will support you so that that way you are prepared for that and they are they are also prepared 
for it so that that way they're not caught off guard and they know exactly how to respond to the community and how to um, respond to what you're doing. I know that you're such a positive person and it's probably easier for you to empathize in difficult situations than it would be for someone who's not as positive as you. How do you get in the mindset of empathizing with really difficult parents? That is such a great question. So I think at the end of the day, I always try to remember that I want what's best for the child. Uh, I want what's best for my student. And also understanding that this parent who um, may be coming at me a little aggressively or maybe wording things in not the nicest ways, they're ultimately, they're reaching out to me because they want what's best for their kid. And I think that just putting myself into that mindset, this parent is seeking out what is best for their child. And I want what's best for their child. How do I direct the conversation? How do I use a tone that is making the parent understand that we are both on the same side, that we both have a shared goal, and it is the success of their child. And so I think that that is really the way about kind of winning parents over uh, if they need to be won over um, and um, just really making sure that we are successful at what we're of like how we are working together. Yeah. You guys are a team that we, that, that child that at the end of the conversation, they're going to be successful. Like that child is going to be successful in my class. had parents that figured out that they didn't like me as a person before they ever really gave me a chance. And it felt like there was broken relationships that I could never repair. I could never gain their trust no matter what it was that I did. Have you, with your experience and your positivity, seen some transformations? Have you had difficult parents that you've been able to, you know, pull over onto your team? Yeah, you know, I I really have. And, you know, I do want to say, first of all, like, like you said before, there are amazing parents in my community. And over 15 years of teaching, the majority of my experiences with parents have been absolutely amazing. Um, There have been some who they just look at me, or they hear my voice, or they see, something in the classroom and they they make up their mind uh, about it. Sorry, I had parents say that I looked like Katy Perry and that was just done for them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no. Bad, strong Katy Perry feelings. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, the, the way that I won parents over was through my work ethic, uh, through my ability to try to connect with their, their child. Uh, or their children, excuse me, my ability to um, communicate with them, keep them in the loop, especially in middle school, which is my my grade level, where kids are treated a little bit more like young adults. And so there's less communication perhaps than it w- than there would be at the elementary school level. And in just the general interactions that I have with them, when I talk about their kid and my general care, I think that it, it slowly chips away at whatever wall that they've put up or whatever, you know, it, it opens up the box that they may have placed me in because even though they may have been turned off by something, 
related to me or the classroom, they see how much care I do put into their child and children so that they can't continue on that, especially when they want to work together. Yeah, it sounds like you're really persistent and consistent It's a, for your, your strategy with them. I definitely try. I definitely try through the, you know, the, the super clear emails, the offers of phone calls, and now Zooms, uh, and just the newsletters, and just the one-on-one time that I give their kid. Um, so they see that I'm doing what I think will help their child be successful. And I think that wins them over because they want their child to be successful. So people listening to this may listen to this, you know, years in, in the future, but right now teaching is pretty difficult. It's in the middle of the pandemic. There are a lot of struggles with virtual or in-person learning. What have you been doing to help yourself you know, take care of your own mental health during this time? So one of the biggest things, because uh, right now I am in a district that is teaching remotely. And so the computer is in my home. The work is in my home. Uh, I don't leave and then come back and then settle into home. My work life and my home life lines are a bit blurred. And so some of the things that I am doing to kind of prioritize myself during this time to make sure that I don't burn out is one of the biggest things is to create boundaries of where does work stop and where does you know life begin outside of teaching and so even though it occupies the same space um i am looking to make sure that i am definitely doing things that are taking care of me and taking care of the relationships in my life uh, so that i so that i am sustained so that I can do my awesome job of teaching and can support the kids um, in the way that they need. And they are requiring more support than ever before because learning from home is something brand new for them. So creating boundaries in this cultivation of relationships, especially the relationships that support me as a teacher, which, you know, got me through that tough time that I mentioned earlier. Those are definitely some relationships that, I have um, made sure to prioritize and and continuing to cultivate and grow and deepen. I think teachers just in general went into this with such a huge heart that they feel guilty walking away and taking time and taking space for themselves. Setting boundaries starts to feel like you are lazy or you're not doing your job. What clear boundaries have you set this year that are different than before? Whether it's, you know, turning off your cell phone notifications at a certain time or just not working on Saturdays and Sundays altogether or whatever it is. Well, well, you hit you hit it. Those were two definite ones. Um, I do have a work computer at home. I do have a personal laptop. And so I shut off the notifications of my emails on my work computer so that when I'm sitting down for the evening eating dinner, I don't hear the ding and it pulls me. Um, I deleted uh, the email off my phone for work um, because I don't want to have it interfering because I know that if I I see an email pop up, I may be looking to respond. I want to cut that out. Um, I do not work on the weekends. Um, uh, aside from prepping a few materials here and there to make sure that I am good to go, because for some people, myself included, making sure that I am good to go for the week 
that cuts down on a lot of anxiety that I have. I think they call them the Sunday scaries <laughs> of going into the week and not feeling prepared or on top of things. But, uh, but I don't respond to emails. Um, I don't answer the comments on the student work until Monday uh, when the work week starts. And um, yeah, and, and just making time for other things, even in, during the work week, that's sort of a boundary that I shut my computer at a certain time to say, okay, this is done today. I haven't done everything, but I've done what I can in the amount of time that I've given. That's plenty. And making time for other things. You know, my, my job is now a desk job, it feels like. You know, I always see images of teachers in movies where they're sitting behind the desk or television shows where they're just talking and teaching from behind the desk. And I'm always, I'm always like, who does that? Who does that? <laughs> no one does that. Everyone is running. Teachers are running around a classroom. They're getting on their knees. They're sitting beside kids at desks, like helping them work through problems and writing paragraphs and things like this. They're not sitting behind a desk. And so what, also one of the things that I've done is to make time to, to exercise, to get out, to walk, to do these things, uh, because my body is moving less than it ever has before, because teaching is such an active job that, that just sitting and being you know, still in front of a computer, um, having you know, some time built in where I'm moving around and staying active, this is a super important thing you know, thing that I am prioritizing as well. I've worked remotely for the last three years. Some of the jobs that I've had had required me to travel some, but for the most part, it's remote work. And that was something that when all the teachers started going virtual, I started reaching out like, hey, I have some tips because I know that you think working from home, it sounds fantastic, but it also messes with you mentally in a way that you really don't understand until you're in it for a while. And one of my favorite tips on it is setting a clear workstation, which is not your regular chill looking at your computer station. So for me, I sit at the dining table sitting up with my computer sitting up straight and I have, you know, a set time frame of when I work and when I'm done, I have to do like a, a regular ritual of then I go for a walk, I drink, you know, tea, and that's my I'm done for the day so that my brain can switch from being on the clock to then sitting with my fiance and being inside my home. So it doesn't mess with your head as much because it really does after a while just being in the same atmosphere. Yeah, and yeah, and and this is definitely true. I think that your walk that you just described that is kind of like the benchmark moment where your day changes, that's kind of like the drive home, right? Mhm. Mm you mm -hmm. leave school, you drive home and you decompress. And then when you're home, you're like, okay, now it is time for home stuff. And so I think building in that, that maybe that that border, that, that benchmark moment of the day where you transfer from work person to I'm off, I'm free person, uh, then that's really important. And some people actually need that that tradition and that 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 official division in their day to really make that switch. Yeah, so there's a planner that I have. It's the full focus planner. It's of like entrepreneur, business CEO planner, but it comes with all this advice on scheduling your day where it comes with morning ritual, then morning startup ritual, afternoon like shutdown work ritual, and then afternoon ritual. 
And setting those types of habits, like even your getting done with work can be, that's the only 15 minutes that I block to read my emails. I'm only going to do it between 3.30 and 4. And then the rest of the day, I'm focusing on other tasks so that that one task of reading emails doesn't take five hours out of my day when it really should only be 15 or 30 minutes. Establishing those types of habits, it really helps you mentally stay productive, but also set those clear boundaries if you have a million things to do, but you also want to have a healthy relationship with your loved ones and, you know, enjoy life. I think it's good for everybody to be able to hear different strategies that everyone's using to help them stay proactive or productive during this time. I wanted to wrap up with asking if you had any more advice that you would give to any teachers who are struggling and thinking of leaving right now on steps that they might want to take before they consider leaving the classroom. One of the things I would say is that really kind of understanding why, like what is your reason for wanting to leave the profession or leave your job, right? What is the reason behind it? The true, true, true reason behind it. And so if you can get down to like the true reason why um, you want to leave your job, then maybe you can address it, you know? And so really kind of taking the time to work your way through what are some, what's the true problems that's causing you to be not happy in your current position. I think that that is something that is, you know, really, you know, important and vital. Uh, yeah. I think the, I think that you've mentioned before, ch- changing grade levels, uh, trying, um, you know, different content and curriculum. These are things that they could also try to see if it rejuvenates them, uh, to see if something is a better fit. Um, these are things as well that they could try. Yeah, it's the difference between are you unhappy because you're bored with your curriculum or the age of your students not being a good fit for you personally with classroom management or just you might enjoy teaching younger students or older students or if it's not really your passion and your passion is you want to start working in you know a nonprofit organization and there's somewhere else that's calling you and and that is something that's on such a personal level people have to look into and see is this something that I can fix in my environment to help me be happier and and what actions can I take or do I need to start looking into a completely new direction yeah and and I I think that it's so you know awesome that teachers have this so many skills to to try to do that you know to to do that you are skilled in your content area you are skilled working with varieties of people you are skilled in public speaking there are just so many opportunities that if you truly at the end of the day say this profession is an admirable one and it is an amazing one and i've learned lots from it but at the end of the day it doesn't fit the life that i want for myself it doesn't fit what I am interested in at this point in time in my life, that they have options to go to, that's such an empowering thing uh, to know. Absolutely. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. I know that everyone's going to get so much from hearing your story and your advice. I wanted to give you an opportunity to share where everyone listening can connect with you. Uh, So I'm mostly on Instagram. That's where I look to connect with people and share out ideas and learn from other people. So I'd love to continue building uh, that community. Uh, So I can be reached at teacher to teacher uh, on Instagram. And I'm also starting Twitter. I'm still learning the ropes there. Uh, And so that is at John, J-O-H-N underscore J, the letter, underscore Rodney, R-O-D-N-E-Y. I'm still learning that one though. I'm still learning Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This was so great. John has been featured on podcasts, he's spoken on panels, he's presented at conferences. He's an expert on topics such as the importance of students' social-emotional learning, establishing inclusive classroom practices, supporting LGBTQ staff and students. If you want to connect with him on Instagram, you can find him at teacher to teacher and he shares his experiences as a teacher and some positive tidbits to help you get through the day. If you're enjoying this podcast, please make sure you click subscribe and leave a review. Leaving a review helps other teachers find this support, and many don't know that this type of support even exists. See you on the next episode of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast.